I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Thursday morning, September 19, 2019, the Beating the Book podcast. It's Gil Alexander, Megapod Week 3, the National Football League, with the return of the rotating guests. I like that. First of all, the staples of the show on my right, the conciliary to Derek Stevens over there at the Circus Sports Operation. He is the vice president of operations, as a matter of fact. It's Mike Palm. How you doing, Mike? A little bit of a head cold, a little bit of a sore throat, Gil, but we're here for you. Might be mono. Mononucleosis, by the way. I'm, th- I'm thinking pneumonia. <laughs> I'm thinking you sound pretty excited about it. You're like, I'm thinking maybe maybe a pneumonia. If I have mono, I'll be out of five weeks like Darnold. I can't afford that. Well, you're not playing a contact sport. Your spleen won't be in jeopardy. I think you can still. By the way, I had mono in college. It's exhausting. The whole thing's exhausting. But I don't know how Darnold got it. It's like a freshman in college, that kid. Anyway, that's Mike Palm. On my left, ladies and gentlemen, the star of the Showtime docuseries action and Wednesday staple on a numbers game at VEASAN. Every Wednesday morning, 7 to 9 Pacific, 10 to noon Eastern. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd Wishnev. Hello, Todd. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, Todd, could you uh, recap how you did last week again on the show? How was your best bets? How do you do on the Megapod? Uh, last week, I think I was 1 and 2. I hit the Jacksonville plus 8, and I lost the Bears minus two and a half in the Vic Fangio Bowl. Yes. And the uh and then of course I had the over in the Saints game and Drew Brees got injured, so that was kind of painful. I lost my tees because of Carolina. Yeah, I lost my tees also. I went one and two. I had the same record week two as I did week one, neither of which is good. One and two on the best bets, and I blew the teaser because of Carolina. Mike, how'd you do? Three and two in circa but one and two on the megapod narrowing it down to three. So that sucks. I was three and oh with the best bets, uh, San Francisco, uh, Buffalo, and under in the Bears-Denver uh, game, but blew the teaser with, uh, by a point with uh, Baltimore. I buried the headline, 3-0 and from Mike Palm. You are pretty hot in baseball, too, aren't you, right now? We're doing okay. Uh, 
we were looking forward to some end game today, but uh, one of the major providers is struggling to to uh, to, <laughs> to give that option. William Hill, for I will say what Mike will not. William Hill, not really providing in games today. Technical issues they have, uh, according to yes. William Hill. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, he is our rotating guest often on the Megapod. He is always our first of the year, and this is no different this year. From VEASAN. I can actually call him a VEASAN host. He hosts the Green Zone over at VEASAN. And, of course, for all your golf needs in the Las Vegas area, please call Tea Times USA. Oh, and, oh, by the way, he won a super contest back in 2011 with his Sanssouci team. It's our friend Brady Cannon. What up, Brady? How are you, man? Uh, you know, I, I appreciate you having me on uh, to lead off. I, I found a pretty comfortable place for myself as the leadoff man, but, you know, usually week one. Yes. And I always say, you know, I can make a few bonehead picks and nobody cares because it's week one. You know, you're dealing with a lot of unknown and expectations are pretty low. Now you have me on in week three, and I, I feel like I have to sound a lot smarter. <laughs> well, no, you just be yourself as always. Hey, I, no matter what, I greatly appreciate you uh, being your Ricky Henderson. Thank you. You are my Ricky Henderson. Uh, by the way, Wait, when I mentioned that you were a super contest winner and I mentioned the year 2011, would you prefer that I no longer mention the year? <laughs> no, no, that's a great year for me. I also won the member guest at Red Rock Country Club that year, so 2011 is uh, forever etched in uh, my uh, personal resume. All right, you know, Richard Stan, who won in 2010, he wants me to just shut up about the year, so because it was, you know, it was old school back then and fewer contestant so he says it sounds has much more gravitas when i just say super contest winner so okay new format brady uh you are familiar with the new format we start out with thoughts on the thursday night game today another barn burner ladies and gentlemen another barn burner on a thursday night uh tennessee is at jacksonville tennessee is a one and a half or two and a half point favorite somewhere in that pocket let me give you the consensus right now i'm seeing that it's a two point consensus across the board tennessee at jacksonville gardner Minshew. Uh, starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this really weird thing where Jalen Ramsey wants out of Jacksonville, has demanded a trade, but will yet play for Jacksonville tonight. In fact, Adam Schefter reported there was another NFL team that called the league and said, hey, uh, if he plays for Jacksonville Thursday, can he play for us on Sunday? And the league was like, uh, <laughs> no, you can't do that. Uh, so, Brady, let's start with you. You're the guest. You get honors. Any thoughts, any pre-flop play on this game tonight? Uh, no pre-flop play. I, I made the Jaguars actually a one-point favorite here, so I lean uh, taking the points with them. And let's also note, you guys know, there's not that much of a difference between a one-point favorite and a one-and-a-half-point underdog. So, uh, not like my line was way off, but division game you know the first few weeks of the season division games uh typically the dog uh, fares pretty well plus uh, the dog is at home obviously i think the home team tends to have an advantage on a short week now there's film out on gardner Minshew now so he could regress but i think this kid's pretty good and you know look at the quarterbacks that mike leach has churned out out at uh, washington state luke falk Minshew. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if we never see Nick Foles as the starter again in Jacksonville. Uh, I think this kid's going to be pretty good, but like you alluded to, Gil, probably a pretty typical ugly, dumb Thursday night game. Um, but I lean with the Jags, no play, just uh, just observation this evening. 
while we while we go through the in-game opportunities on the green zone on Vison, by the way. There you go. Which is when? Give the hours. That will be 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. We're on for four hours. We go through all the in-game opportunities in both baseball, college football, and the Thursday night game tonight. All right. Vison, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, for those tuning in for the first time, Sirius XM Channel 204. Um, I am totally treating this game tonight as I did Monday night's game, which is play it in-game. It turned out to be a nice in-game fest on the Browns. Uh, and for those who went under under over and over on in-games, uh, was a good in-game fest on Monday night. So I'll watch and I'll uh, bet accordingly. Maybe I might throw Jacksonville into a tease because it goes through the three and the seven. Maybe, although that's not going to be involved in my teaser of the week. Or maybe it will. Mike, anything for tonight? Nothing pre-flop. I'm going to take the same attitude as you, Gil. I'm going to watch the game play out and look for an in-game opportunity. But mostly I'll probably be watching uh, Flaherty and Hendricks tonight. Me too. I'm all about Flaherty and Hendricks. Are you on Flaherty? I am on Flaherty. I'm heavy on Flaherty, first five. Yeah, I'm first five and full on that tonight. <laughs> Todd, anything on Thursday Night Football? Uh, not really. I think you guys have, have you know said it all. I, I like Gardner Minshew as well. You know That's why I took Jacksonville last week. Uh, I think he's going to be pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, I think this is just a uh, an in-game type of opportunity. I'll be watching the college football as well as Flaherty. The college football as well. Houston and Tulane. Are you a Derek King guy, Todd? Do you like Derek King? I do like Derek King. I think he's pretty good. All right. Tulane favored by five in that game tonight in college football as well. And the Cardinals, a slight minus, I don't know, let's call it minus 113 favorite uh, full game against the Cubs. First of seven between those two teams NL Central race, wild card implications for the uh, Cubbies as well. Very tight in the National League. All right, Brady, best bets. What is your number one best bet of the week, sir? Let's go to Lambeau Field, Gil, for the Denver Broncos visiting the Green Bay Packers. And first off, I, I like a desperate 0-2 team facing a 2-0 and team. Uh, I, I made this line 7.5, and, and early in the week you were still able to catch 8.5 with Denver. Still plenty of 7.5s out there, and I don't think that's bad. Uh, on a neutral field, I give Green Bay the edge by three and a half points. Now, in my opinion, the Packers have one of the strongest home field advantages in football, and I think that can range anywhere from three to five points. Probably a greater edge later in the year when the weather is more of a factor. So now, still in September, let's say that home field is probably worth three or three and a half, meaning this line should be right around seven by my calculations. So I felt eight or eight and a half was a pretty good bargain, you know, better than a touchdown there. And secondly, I, I like the fact that Green Bay has played two straight division rivals in the Bears and the Vikings, and now they face an out-of-conference opponent um, with a Thursday night game on tap next week in week four against the Eagles. So I, I believe the scheduling spot is advantageous for Denver. Also, in that Vikings game last week for the Packers, uh, again, against Minnesota, very good defense, Green Bay was shut out in the second half. And in second halves this season, two games, the Packers have only scored three points. Denver now, they bring a good defense to town, too. And conversely, Denver has really kind of found its stride in the second half, scoring 16 points against the Raiders in week one and 11 points in the fourth quarter against Chicago. And, you know, like Todd mentioned, that really should have been a W. But it ended up being a loss, and I think that's probably good for us too. Here this week, we're probably getting an extra point or two or uh, an extra point or two of value this week in the line, because that did end up in the loss column for Denver. And, and finally, the Denver Broncos, you know, Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, th this defense is yet to record a sack this season. 
So I have to believe Vic Fangio is well aware of this and is putting an emphasis on uh, getting pressure on Rodgers this Sunday. And Aaron Rodgers, he happens to be one of the leaders in the league as far as being sacked. He's been dropped seven times already this season. And this will be the third straight defensive power that he faces, Chicago, Minnesota, and now Denver. Broncos are currently ranked as the fourth best defense in football against the pass. And if I think they can maintain that, uh, you know, that ability to defend the pass and also get a few sacks on Rodgers, I think they can definitely stay within this number and possibly win the game outright. I'm going to even give you the 7.5 on this, Brady, because it looks consensus 7.5. So you get the extra hook on this. I don't hate it. I will say this. Broncos left tackle Garrett Bowles, the team's top draft pick in 2017, whistles for uh, holding a career-worst four times against the Bears. That gives him an NFL-high 34 flags in 34 career starts. That is not good. He's right on pace with the rest of the NFL. (laughs) That's right. There were 200, I counted, 256 penalties that were accepted this past week in the NFL. 256. God, it's just so unwatchable. By the way, I'm going to set up a camera in your house, Brady, while you're watching this game because I want to get your face when you first see the Joe Flacco face on Sunday and you realize... (laughs) And you you realize, God help you, that you've bet on the Broncos of this. I I don't hate the pick, though. Mike Palm. Mike, by the way, speaking of Denver, did you uh, happen to catch me and Todd Wishnev talking about the two-point conversion rules yesterday on the numbers game? Did you catch that? Yes. I I caught it, and Todd was not accepting of the rule. (laughs) That's right. Todd Todd was not very appreciative of the actual National Football League rule. I still don't don't accept the rule. (laughs) To clarify for those who missed it, uh, and you can go to Visa.com and watch the replay on Wednesday's The Numbers Game. But essentially, Todd was curious if the referees had actually spotted the ball correctly for what ended up being Denver's go-ahead two-point conversion at the time with less than 40 seconds left in the game. And I went through a whole thing about how the refs actually got it right when they re-spotted the ball for the Broncos at the one-yard line after Brandon McManus missed the extra point attempt, but the Broncos were flagged for encroachment. And it was a whole lengthy thing. But um, essentially what it gets down to is in a two-point try, it's not officiated like normal football play. And so whatever happened on the previous play, the fact that the uh, Broncos committed a delay of uh, game penalty and then ended up choosing to kick what ended up being a 38-yard extra point, on the encroachment, even when Brandon McManus missed it, they don't just get the ball back at the three-and-a-half-yard line from what would have been the two-point conversion line of seven of the seven-yard line. They get to re-spot it where it was before the first sequence. So they actually were correct in spotting the ball for the Broncos at the one-yard line. They get the two-point conversion, and as we know, uh, thanks largely to a Bradley Chubb roughing the passer penalty that was very controversial, to say the least. Three plays later, or four plays later, uh, Mitchell Trubisky was able to convert a 4th and 15. They stopped the clock with one second left, and Eddie Pinheiro did his thing, and the Bears won by two. Anyway, Mike, your best bet of the week. Kiel, it would have been interesting to see what Fanny Pack Fangio would have done from the three and a half, though. It, it really really would have been, right? Because he would have been forced to make a decision. Yeah. By the way, Fanny yeah. Pack Fangio, which I was saying on a numbers game, he's like the guy in a museum with a fanny pack that walks around a museum from painting to painting with his hands clasped behind his back. I hear Bill Simmons is calling him Fanny Pack Vic, too, which I guess is easy because he does wear his stuff like a fanny pack during the game. So uh, yes. we've all come to the fanny pack. Okay, Gil, I'm going to give my uh, <clears throat> first best bet. I'm going to lay six with the Eagles against the Lions. I think there's a big 
coaching mismatch and a big quarterback mismatch in this game. And if you can lay less than a touchdown, there's value here. The Lions, let's face it, were outplayed for three and a half quarters against San Diego. And as Todd says, the Chargers did Charger things for the, during the whole second half in order to not put that game away, in order to give up the lead, and in order to not convert on the final drive, missing field goals, not running on third and two, to give the Lions that game. Their first week performance was absolutely pathetic in letting a rookie quarterback score on four consecutive drives. I'm not impressed with this Lions team. They come in undefeated at 1-0-1, but I still think they're by far the worst team in the NFC Central. I don't think that the Lions defense can hold the Eagles under 27 in this game, and I don't see the Lions getting above 17. I'm willing to lay uh, just under a touchdown here as my number one play. I will not waste anybody's time. Normally I would go to Todd next. That is my number one best bet as well. Mr. Palm, thank you very much. Everything you said, Lions favored by six. This is even down a bit from where it opened. I don't get that at all. I'm all about the Eagles here. I've got the Eagles in the Super Bowl. You're right. The Lions are 1-0-1, but for all the reasons you stated, snatching a tie from the jaws of victory week one and having no business winning that game last week, Chargers doing Chargers things to quote Todd, I am on the Eagles as well as my number one best bet. Todd, sorry to jump the line, but just had to echo that. I want to go with the Indianapolis Colts. Minus one. I see minus one, one and a half. What do you see consensus there? Minus one? On the Colts, it is minus one, yes. Okay. So I'll take Indy minus one. All I have to do is win the game here at home against the team that I feel is like Florida State and is like the Browns, one of those talented teams that does dumb things. The Atlanta Falcons had the game won against the Eagles last week and almost gave it away when Matt Ryan threw an absolutely unthinkable interception in the end zone to keep the Eagles in the game. Had Nelson Aguilar not dropped the touchdown on the last possession by the Eagles, they may have lost it outright. I am not impressed with Atlanta ever since their Super Bowl run. I don't like what's happening coaching there. And Frank Reich, to me, is an excellent coach. Uh, I mentioned on a numbers game how I loved fourth and inches from his own 35 with about 2.20 to go, and the other team with two timeouts, he decided to go for it up 19-17. I thought that was a, a, a Belichick-type move, try to go for the kill right there. I think it's a coaching mismatch as well. All I have to do is win the game here, and I'm at home in the Dome, uh, Indy minus one. Yeah, and the Colts last week, 7 of 14 on third downs, which, if you recall, was a staple with the uh, Eagles, uh, when Frank Reich was there, along with Doug Peterson, and it was a staple with Andrew Luck and the Colts last year under Frank Reich himself. So again, setting themselves up for good third down yardage and converting at a high clip. That is always high leverage situations, the sort of runners in scoring position of football. Uh, so you have that going for you. And uh, Jacoby Brissett, coming off a win over the Titans, Andrew Luck had retired with a perfect 11-0 and record straight up against the Titans. Jacoby Brissett picking up last week where he left off. Indianapolis, one-point favorites over the Falcons this week. Todd on the Colts. So the best bets, number one, Brady on Denver catching the points uh, at Green Bay. Mike and I both on Philly giving the points against Detroit. Todd taking the Colts 
against the Falcons, giving just a point. Number two, best bet, Brady. Uh, going with another 0-2 team versus a 2-0 and team. I think that's a pretty good situation, and if you check the history on that, uh, I think the 0-2 team is uh, pretty good against the spread in a def- uh, desperate situation like that. And this one, the Pittsburgh Steelers visiting the San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco, of course, gets the win over Tampa Bay, greatly aided by the Jameis Winston picks sixes. They hammer Cincinnati 41-17. Pittsburgh gets hammered by New England and then keeps it close in a loss to Seattle, even without Big Ben for most of the game. Uh, With Roethlisberger, I made this game one and a half in favor of the 49ers. And I heard Kenny White on uh, Follow the Money on VEASAN yesterday with you, Mike, uh, say that his adjustment for Mason Rudolph is about three and a half or four points. And I would agree with that. So by my numbers, uh, that makes San Francisco about a five-and-a-half-point favorite here with Rudolph. I was able to get seven. You can still get six-and-a-half. And I think this is the typical fallen hero theory, right? Star quarterback goes down, team rallies around the new guy, and, and I don't think the new guy is very bad at all. You know, I've watched this guy a little bit in relief of Roethlisberger, and I, I think he looks like a pretty good heir apparent. Uh, he's going to have to deal with the 49ers' pass rush, which is very good. But otherwise, San Francisco is a pretty average defense versus the pass. And the Steelers, in two games, have only given up two sacks. So I think if Rudolph uh, you know, is able to maintain that protection, uh, he should be able to have some success. The other thing, you know, I think from kind of an emotional angle, this is San Francisco's home opener, and the fans are going to be all rah-rah, you know, look at us, we're 2-0. Uh, a, little, a little bit fat and sassy, to quote one of your former Megapod colleagues, Gil. Yes. And, and on the other side, you've got that desperate 0-2 team. Like I mentioned, the Steelers, get this, they're 10-7 and in games without Big Ben. They're 26-14-1 against the spread in games when they come in with a losing record. And the Niners are just 1-7 and seven against the spread coming off of back-to-back spread wins. So I think it's a good situation for Pittsburgh. You know, typically we do see some line value when you have the, the star quarterback, the star player, what have you, uh, go down. And I think it's that very next game where you can kind of catch a riled-up dog. Um, I think this 49er team is real solid, but I don't think this is the right spot for them this week. Are you, since you bring up Fat and Sassy, are you sprinkling a little on the money line as well? I did. Sprinkle me, Mike. I have a new policy this year. I play, you know, 90% of my bet, uh, when I bet underdogs, I play 90% of my bet on the, uh, with the points, and then I put 10% on the money line. Well done. All right, uh, the Niners, by the way, did that thing between their game against Tampa Bay, at Tampa Bay, and then at Cincinnati, where they stayed out east, stayed in Youngstown, Ohio, which is uh, Eddie DeBartolo's old hometown. Uh, they are back on the West Coast for the first time since the season began. By the way, Mike Palm and I also have the Niners to win the NFC West preflop before the season started. Uh, we both are simpatico on that. What is your number two bet, Mike? Gil, did you bet them to make the playoffs as well? No, I just bet them to win the NFC West at plus three. 395. Yeah, I got 375, but I also got plus 195 to make the playoffs. Ooh, so nice. I, it's a good start with two road wins. Yes, it is. I hope they win by, I hope they win by they win by uh, four for you, Brady. Okay. We'll take that. We'll take that. Was that offered at Circa, by the way, Mike? That bet on the playoffs? It was. Oh, nice. Yeah, yes, no, we're also offered at Circa. All right. Our, our second bet won't be the same, Gil. I'm going to go with a total here. Okay. The Jets and Patriots under 44. Ooh. 
I think you're going to have to have New England score 45 to get over this total. <laughs> um, the, the, the Jets, I, I, I know they're missing the linebacker, but the, Jet, the Jets' defense is not awful. Um, and as evidenced, you know, on Monday night when the offense couldn't get a first down and backed up every drive and, and Cleveland was getting field position at, at, the, at their 30 or better all night and holding them to 23 points. I think Falk here, they're going to treat him with baby gloves. Uh, this is probably the best defense in the league in New England. They'll try to run the ball. Bell played very well. I was very impressed with Bell on Monday night. He played hard in that loss, even when the game was out of reach. Uh, I think you'll see heavy doses of Bell in the short passing game that, that suits a Washington State quarterback. And I think you'll see a heavy dose of uh, the running game from the Patriots as well. I just think that New England's got to get over 40 to put this game over 44. So we'll go... Uh, under in Foxborough. Yeah, it's one of those uh, when you do the uh, whole total conflation thing with the spread, and again, two historic spreads. New England, 22-point favorite consensus over the Jets right now as we do this show, and of course, Dallas, 20, let's call that 22 as well right now, favorites over Miami. Those right now would be the sixth highest spreads in modern football history. I'm talking, taking it all the way back to the 70s when they... Uh, took record of these things so there's only five games with larger spreads than that by the way it's the first time that two of these has existed in the same week since a strike game in 1987 uh when the niners and cowboys were both uh spreads of this size but to your point new england if you do the conflation with the total they would have to win this game about 33 to 11 right to be right on the number and the total itself and you don't see the jets scoring at all is basically the handicap there. Todd, your number two pick, sir. Yeah, I was going to say, Mike, do you like under 10.5 team total Jets? I'm going to assume you're going to say yes. The, the I love team... that, Todd. I love it. That's what I That's what I thought you were going to say, too. I like that, too. Um, okay, my second pick is going to be the under in the Chicago Bears-Washington Redskins game. I've seen enough of Mr. Trubisky to realize that he is – Abhorrent. Abhorrent on the football field. <laughs> Abhorrent, yes. I, I just don't know how to describe him. I know that Nagy's going to just keep bubble wrapping him all season, trying to make sure he doesn't blow the game for them. Uh, I still think the Bears' defense is fantastic. They played amazing against Denver, as I thought they would last week uh, in that uh, in that travesty of justice game in, in Denver until maybe the fourth quarter. But even in the fourth quarter, they had a fourth and 10 and a fourth and three that Denver had to get in order to, you know, get the game to almost tied or whatever happened at the end there. So uh, I'm thinking the Bears can hold Washington to 14 to 17 points. I don't think our boy Trubisky can get us more than 17 to 20, even against a, a Redskins defense that doesn't look real good. So maybe like a 21-17 game or something like that. And, um, you know, hopefully we end up uh, going under the – what do you have as the prevailing number there, 41, 41 and a half? 41 on the button. 41 on the button. Okay. So I'm going to go under 41 in Washington and the Bears. Yeah, Redskins were without Darius Geis last week, without Jordan Reed, without Jonathan Allen, without Quentin Dunbar. So they're already a mash unit. Chicago and Washington, another primetime barn burner. Uh, and, by the way, as someone who uh, – you know, had season tickets at RFK Stadium growing up and who had the 
displeasure of attending games at FedEx Field. Let me tell you that that place will be like a morgue on Monday night, so there will be no home field advantage. There will be no crowd that will uh, spur the Redskins on to offensive greatness. Under for Wishnev, number two. My number two pick is, uh, hey, look, I don't, I don't mean to be boring. I'm taking the Kansas City Omaha Chiefs against the Baltimore Ravens, and I am laying the number. The Ravens, first two games of the year, they crushed the Miami Dolphins. It's a throwout for me because I think the Dolphins could be historically bad. Last week, the Ravens had all kinds of trouble with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. That was a field goal game late. Ravens ended up winning by six. Yes, Lamar Jackson did make key throws in that game. But there's nothing about the Chiefs, nothing, that leads me to believe that they can't cover a sub-touchdown spread against a Ravens team this game at Arrowhead. Give me the Chiefs. I'm laying the six. Last week, the Chiefs did not score in the first quarter, did not score in the second half. But a Doug Williams-like second quarter against the Raiders, even without Tyreek Hill, they don't appear to have missed a beat, even without Kareem Hunt. Until I see the Chiefs stopped, I'm just going to pound them into oblivion. Chiefs giving the six at home against the Ravens. That's my second pick. Final one, Brady. Uh, my third game is the Chargers hosting the Texans, and I'm going to go with the favorite here, Chargers minus three. Uh, it seems like we often see the Chargers have that away game, you know, early in the season when they're favored uh, and, and lay an egg. You know, they, they come in with a lot of high hopes, and, and then they do something like they did last week at Detroit. And keep in mind, too, if Rivers throws a touchdown instead of an interception on that last play, they win the game. So, you know, despite an otherwise pretty sloppy performance. Um, so, you know, like the Denver game with them actually ended up ending up in the loss column, the Chargers, too, probably some line value here, too, because they took a loss uh, rather than getting a, an impressive win on the road. Uh, and, and I don't think Houston is very good. Uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, maybe one of the greatest guys uh, personally in the NFL and a, and a real joy to watch, but he's already been sacked this season ten times. And, and now he's going to face a Chargers defense, uh, pass defense, that's eighth in the league. And Houston ranks in the bottom ten in the league on defense, both against the run and the pass. And the Chargers, conversely, are the fourth best total offense in the league. So I think it's a mismatch of sorts there. Get this, too. You guys remember how the Chargers were always a thorn in the side of Peyton Manning and the Colts. They have really been a thorn in the side of the entire AFC South division, Jaguars, Titans. They're 16-3 and straight up and 17-2 and against the spread versus the AFC South. They're also 6-0 and against the number against the Texans. I think they rebound here back home off the loss to Detroit. I think they win this one by anywhere from 7 to 10 points. You are a brave, brave man, Brady Cannon, betting this game here, betting the Chargers. To me, by the way, at the end of the show when we do the final two questions and what's the game I want no part of on the side, this might be my answer on this game. To your point about Deshaun Watson, let's start there. Eighth straight game last week in which he's been sacked at least four times. Think about that. Half a season, half a regular season, eight straight games, the equivalent of, in which he's been sacked at least four times. That ties him, by the way, for the NFL record with Blake Bortles, 2014-2015, and Jeff George back in 97-98. <laughs> Jeff 
Jordan. Yeah. Uh, for the longest streak of games with at least four sacks since it became an official stat in 1982, Laramie Tunzel does not appear to be helping. Deshaun Watson was He's sacked. also a little banged up, too. A little banged up himself. He was uh, Deshaun Watson was sacked, for those who don't remember, an NFL high 62 times last season. But on the Chargers side, you know, like all these teams, nine penalties for 70 yards last week, two horrible turnovers, Eckler at the one-yard line. He's got a bit of a fumble problem, I think, as great as he has been. Uh, Phillip Rivers, another just ridiculously key interception. The Chargers, and this is the most Chargers stat of them all, six red zone turnovers since the start of last year. Six. That will just kill you time and time again. But you're on the Chargers. Minus three. That's yeah, the pick. Yeah, I think they get it right. You know, they, okay. they, they always have one of those games where they get it worked out, and I, I think this could be it right here this week. Okay. Um, so your three picks then, once again, rattle through them or? Uh, I've got Denver uh, plus eight is where I got it. Um, you can still get seven and a half. Um, I took the Steelers plus seven. You can still get six and a half. And uh, I've got the Chargers minus three, minus some juice, minus 120. Joe Flacco, Mike Tomlin without Big Ben, and Anthony Lynn in the L.A. Chargers. You are a, you are a brave man. Murderer's row, baby. The poo-poo platter from Cannon. <laughs> let's, go to, let's go to Mike Palm. Pick number three from you, Mike. I'm going to go to the same game Brady had as his first pick up at Lambeau. But I'm going to play this game under the 43. I agree with him about the Denver defense and Fangio and and the need to generate a pass rush here. And also Matt LaFleur's new offense with Green Bay. Let's think about this. They've really only scored points in two quarters of the eight quarters they've played. The Vikings absolutely shut them down for the last three quarters of that game. I think this game will be played with long, methodical drives for field goals. And I actually think this number came back awful high. I would put it somewhere around 41 um, I just don't think that on a grass field you're going to get a scoring fest up there at Lambeau. So third play is Packers-Broncos under 43. Okay, so you got Philly against the number, and you're under in the New England game, and you're under in the Green Bay-Denver game. Those are That's Mike, right, Gil. Those are Mike's three picks. By the way, the Fangio comment, and this is more to Todd's last pick, uh, if Denver, excuse me, if, if Chicago doesn't hit that field goal, if Eddie Pinheiro misses that field goal and the Bears lose, the Bears would have been 0-2 having given up 24 total points. That would have sucked big time. Todd, what's your final pick? My final pick is a under in the Chargers-Houston game. I see 48.5 or 49. What would you put that one down as, Gil? I see 48.5 pretty much across the board. Okay, so let's go under 48.5 in the Houston Texans-Charger game. The reasoning being Bill O'Brien loves to run the football the Chargers are actually a team that doesn't really score that fast. They usually go on these long seven-minute drives. They, they run it with Eckler. They throw it to the tight end. Um, I think that Houston as well is kind of, you know, even the game against uh, the Saints, which was a high-scoring game, was only 47 points had there not been those ridiculousness of the last uh, 37 seconds. It would have been 27-21 instead of 30-28. to um, And that was, of course, in the Dome against New Orleans. I think these teams want to run the ball, and I think 48-and-a-half is a very high number in the NFL, especially in a Bill O'Brien game. Uh, Bill O'Brien is the kind of guy who will always give himself an excuse to run the ball, uh, first and 10 between the tackles, second and 10. Oh, we got to get back behind the sticks. For, he's he's ine- inevitable with his uh, you know two-yard runs on second and 10. Uh, I think the, the 
I just feel that this game is an under type of game. Houston played a very underish game uh, last week, and the Chargers played that game against the Colts that could have ended 24-16 or definitely under the number had they not made Charger-esque mistakes. So I'm going to go under 48.5 in the Houston-LA Charger game for my third pick. And what are your three in total? Indy minus one, under 41 in Washington against the Bears, and under 48.5 in Houston against the Chargers. And it is 48.5 consensus. Uh, My three, once again, uh, my first two anyway, were Philadelphia minus six versus Detroit, Kansas City minus six versus Baltimore, and my third, Cincinnati. Catching six at Buffalo. Look, I love all the Buffalo love. They're 2-0. and They've beaten the Jets and the Giants. Same away stadium, just a uh, stone's throw away from Buffalo. Good for them. I'm very happy for them. Uh, it's their first 2-0 and start in five years, just their third in 11 years with those wins over the Jets and the Giants. By the way, they did it against the Giants on the strength of three straight touchdown drives of 75, 70, and 98 yards. But the Bills, penalty plague, nine for 65 yards. And uh, while the Bengals did get murdered by the 49ers ultimately last week, I had the Bengals at Seattle week one catching all those points. They were catching nine points. They ended up losing by one. There is nothing here that tells me the Bills should be giving six. On guessing lines, I guess this as four. While it doesn't go through a key number, that six is pretty important to me. I will happily take the six points. Andy Dalton, 26 of 42 for 311 in that game against the Niners last week. Two touchdowns, one pick. He was sacked four times. The Bengals are going to have to clean that up. But Tyler Boyd keeps getting it done. 10 catches, 122 yards. I don't think the Bills stopped that connection. They did only have 25 yards rushing for the Bengals, but that had a lot to do with them falling behind as well. Give me the points. I'll take the Bengals. That's pick number three. So it's uh, Eagles, Chiefs, and Bengals for me, my top three picks. Another uh, 0-2 against the 2-0, too, Gil. That's right. Another 0-2 against the 2-0 on the road. A Brady Cannon special, as we like to call it. As always, guys, support for today's show comes from Bookmaker.eu, an industry leader for close to 30 years. Pro players consider them a must because their first to post odds take the highest limits and pride themselves on never having kicked out a winning player that is huge bookmakers a high volume sports book best suited for the sophisticated player also caters to large recreational players and their motto is always is where the lines originate because chances are the sports book at which you've been betting follows their lines pretty damn good chance as a matter of fact and right now if you visit bookmaker.eu slash gill that's bookmaker.eu slash g-i-l-l You'll claim your exclusive 100% welcome bonus of up to $300. That's bookmaker.eu slash gill to join and claim your welcome bonus of up to $300 right now. You will not regret it. Betting the only way I know how, the indispensable, bookmaker.eu. Check it out. Thank me later. Before we get to the teaser of the week and the final two questions, Mike, circuit contest update through two weeks, sir. Yes, uh, we have two entries from the same person. That are nine zero oh, and one nine and a half points. Nice, and then a handful at nine and one. It's it's pretty significant to drop off, and then uh, and then around uh, close to fifty that are at uh, eight and two. So very interesting after this week to see how many people are are within maybe two games of the lead, positioning themselves for that first. Uh, September payout of $143,750. God, that is the best. I mean, look, the best part of the Circa Million is that it's a million dollars to the winner. But other than that, the quarterly prize of $143,000, Todd, you're not going to win the quarterly prize, 
but you're six and four through two weeks, which puts you in what three hundred and fifty seventh place, I believe it is, which is a really good start. As long as you're sixty percent, you can talk about it freely because you're doing well. You got to be happy with your start. Uh, I would have been happier had that uh, Vic Fangio not not happened in my Bears two and a half would have came. <laughs> well, there's always that. There's always that. There were twenty three people, twenty three entries that didn't submit picks week one, and I believe uh, eleven in week two. I, I would be curious. I guess there's no way of knowing this because the people who don't submit entries immediately get the 0-5. But I wonder if there was anybody who did submit two weeks who just simply went 0-5 or 0-4-1 both weeks. That would not be a good start. Gentlemen, teaser of the week, 6.2 teamers. Or if you want to go more than two teams, you're welcome to do that too. Mike, was, uh, Brady, we'll start with you. Well, this is uh, a little bit uh, outdated, I believe. I'm guessing here, I was guessing that Cam Newton was going to play and the line would close, you know, right where we see it, uh, two and a half or three in favor of Carolina, but uh, it, it looks like there's been some sort of announcement because now I'm seeing Arizona favored by two and a half points. So that kind of throws my theory out here. I, I was wanting to take Arizona as a home dog and tease it up to eight and a half or nine. Um, I, I made the game pick them. Uh, so if I could get three or three and a half, I might like Arizona anyway. Uh, but, you know, I was thinking if this line was to hold, Newton was going to be cleared to play. Uh, I, I would like the teaser better. Uh, I, I just don't think that that is live anymore, unfortunately. It looks like that's changed here in the last 20 minutes or so. So I'll have to find another leg to this teaser. But I, I like the um, Vikings on the other end, teasing them down to either two and a half or, uh, or three. Still a couple of lingering eight and a halfs out there on the Vikings, so you could tease it down under a field goal. I, I think this team is pretty darn good. Uh, should have beaten Green Bay, at least covered the number. And I think the Raiders are about what we thought they were. Not awful, but probably below average. So Minnesota, uh, they should win this game. And I think being being a winner by a field goal is not asking too much. I made the number eight and a half, so I'm right there where this spread is. Uh, I, I think uh, altering this by six points is a big advantage. So Minnesota and Minnesota to whom on the teaser? Well, I, I was wanting to tease Arizona up from plus two and a half to plus eight and a half, but like I say, it looks like the favorite is flipped there. There must be some news on Cam Newton uh, not playing in this game. Let me ask you this. Would you consider teasing Minnesota with Carolina to, through, through the three and the seven? Because do you really think there's a drop-off here from Cam Newton, the Cam Newton we've gotten the first two weeks of the season, to Kyle Allen? Because my whole thing is Cam Newton could not have been worse the last time we saw him. And I don't know that the Carolina Panthers are any worse without him. So for me, I almost consider that. Yeah, no, I, I hear you, and I thought about that too. I mean, I love teasing uh, up off of a two-and-a-half, you know, and, and catching eight-and-a-half. Uh, but I also love Arizona as a home dog, yeah. uh, whether it's just with the points or a tease or what have you. So, no, the, it, I, I'd have to pass on this at this point unless we uh, change again. All right, we have a pass on the teaser then from uh, Brady Cannon with the late Well, I got half of it, but yeah. I, I mid-show here it flipped on yeah, me. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's all right. Open teaser, uh, yeah, to Brady's point. Arizona now coming up as two-and-a-half-point favorites before the Cam Newton News Carolina was the road two-and-a-half-point favorite. Mike Palm. Two-team teaser, what you got? Doesn't have to be two teams, by the way. I'm going to give you two teams, Gil. Uh, Vikings through the seven and the three to two and a half. And I'm going to use one of your best bets and tease the Chiefs down to a pick. 
Okay, but here's the thing. It's the teaser-proof nine, so it really gets you to three. You still want it? Yeah, I'll take it, Gil. Okay. There's a couple eight-and-a-halves out there. Okay, I'm looking offshore. I don't see an eight-and-a-half. But Minnesota to whom again, Mike? I missed it. To, to uh... Your Chiefs down to a pick. Okay, I like it. I like both of them. Todd? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tease um, Green Bay down to a half from seven-and-a-half. You know, I understand that Denver is 0-2 and, and Green Bay is 2-0, and but uh, Denver did end up covering that game, and Green Bay, you know, didn't look as great against uh, Minnesota in the final three quarters. So, uh, you know, I think they may come to play here against Denver. I just don't believe, uh, you know, I watched that whole Denver-Oakland Raiders game. Uh, forget this Bears game, but the Denver-Oakland Raiders game, I mean, Denver looked just absolutely horrendous against uh, Oakland. It's not very good. So I just think Green Bay can somehow come out with a win here. So I'm going to take um, Green Bay down to a half and tease it with the San Francisco 49ers down to a half as well. Oh, would it be one and a half? Green Bay would be one and a half, right? From seven and a half down to one and a half. Correct. And San Francisco down to 0.5 uh, from six and a half down to 0.5. I don't think the Steelers are good anymore. I didn't think they were going to be that great this year coming in even with Big Ben. I think Antonio Brown is a gigantic uh, loss because I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster is a number one. Last week's game against Seattle, 28-26, is really misleading because two of the touchdowns were gifts. They got uh, two fumbles. They gave really, really short fields, uh, one for Mason Rudolph and one for Big Ben, uh, in order to get it even just to 28-26. So the game could have easily been 28-12. And Jimmy G looks great to me. I love Shanahan over Tomlin. All I have to do is win the game. Give me San Francisco with Green Bay just to win those games, one and a half and minus a half. Boys, I'm taking five teaser legs. You ready for this? 3.5 to 1 payout. Five teams. These are the five legs I love. I'm going to give you the five, and then I'm going to pick a two within that, but I'm also going to bet the five. Uh, I like Jacksonville on the teaser tonight. Cheese it through the three, through the seven. Uh, That'll get you to eight. Jacksonville catching eight tonight. On Sunday, I like four other teaser legs, some of which have been mentioned here. I like Kansas City, obviously, on the teaser. I like them ATS. I like them on the teaser. That would just basically put it at a pick em. I love the Eagles. Uh, that would take it down to a pick em as well against the Lions. I have them ATS as well. Uh, San Francisco, to your point, Todd, I like teasing that down to minus half a point. They would be a teaser leg I like. And Minnesota, which Mike Palm mentioned. Uh, it is a little teaser-proof because you don't get it through the three, but I do like Minnesota minus three against Oakland. I like all five of those. Jacksonville, Kansas City, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Minnesota. I'm doing all five, 3.5 to one payout. If I had to pick two, though, I would take my two ATS picks. I would just take Philadelphia and Kansas City and do it that way. But I'm going crazy, and I'm playing all five on those. Final two questions, gentlemen. Final two questions. And by the way, we are going to learn a lot about Mike Tomlin and to some extent, Sean Payton as well, uh, with their quarterback injuries to Ben Roethlisberger and uh, Drew Brees, respectively. It'll be very interesting to see. Final two questions, gentlemen. The first of which is, of all the big favorites on the board, which, in your opinion, is the most likely to lose outright? And we will define these as six-point favorites or greater for this week's purposes. The candidates are Green Bay, giving 7.5 to the Denver Broncos, Kansas City, 6 to Baltimore, Buffalo, giving six at home to Cincinnati. New England giving 22 (laughs) at home to the Jets. The Vikings giving nine at home to the Raiders. The Cowboys giving, let's call it 21 and a half now, at home against the Miami Dolphins. 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers giving six and a half to the Daniel Jones-led New York Giants. And finally, the Niners giving six at home to Pittsburgh, as we mentioned. Which of those, in your opinion, Brady, is the most likely to lose outright? Well, you know I like the Steelers and the Broncos plus the points, and and you also know in the NFL, um, you know, if you can just pick the winner, often the spread doesn't matter. So, uh, you know, those, those two would be on my radar, but I actually think the Giants have a chance to beat Tampa Bay outright. Uh, I made this game three and a half, and we're getting nearly a touchdown here. Uh, I, I kind of think the team, the Giants, is probably happy with the move to Daniel Jones. I, I think they probably feel that this is a bit of an inspiration. They knew they weren't making any progress with Eli, and, and this gives them some hope, maybe kind of a, a fresh start. And, and who is Tampa Bay? They got rolled by the Niners, and, and they beat to a, what appears to be a below-average Panthers team. And if you remember last season, the Giants lost to Jacksonville in the opener, and then they lost to Dallas, and then at 0-2, they went on the road and they beat the Texans in Houston. And it seems like a very similar pattern here, uh, where they go on the road at 0-2 and beat Tampa Bay. Uh, they also have a winnable game at home next week, I apologize, Gil, against the Redskins. No problem. So they have to realize <laughs> that uh, they could be back to 2-2 two and two here real quick and have their season back. Tampa Bay, never a bad choice is the answer to that question. Tampa Bay giving six and a half. I think you're right. Daniel Jones, I think the Giants are far better off. They should have done it from the beginning. I don't understand why they played Eli at all. Mike, same question. Big favorite, most likely to lose outright. Same answer. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. I I, I debate between them and and Frisco, San Francisco, but uh, boy, that Steelers defense was so bad in the second half against Seattle. You know, they had every right to win that game with Rudolph if they'd have ever made Seattle punt the ball, but they couldn't. So right. I'll go. I'll go with the fact that there's a shot you get two or three turnovers on a Winston and Daniel Jones takes care of the ball. So I'll I'll say Tampa Bay. I agree with all of that. As much as I wanted to say San Francisco, I kept coming back to the Pittsburgh defense. And for those of us who had Pittsburgh last week, we did not lose that bet because Big Ben went out. Let's be honest, we did not. It was because exactly what Mike just said. They could not get the Seattle offense off the field. I'll give mine in a minute. Todd, your uh, answer to that question. Big favorite, most likely to lose outright. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the Kansas City Chiefs, I know everyone's in love with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I saw a little Golden State Warrior-itis last week against the Raiders, Ooh. especially in the second half. Uh, to me, it looked like Mahomes was a little disinterested because they knew they could win so easily. I don't like that out of my quarterback. Uh, I think, you know, if you remember Golden State last year during the season, pretty much didn't even try at all. And um, there was a little of that uh, in the second half against the Raiders. I, I just didn't like what I, I, what I saw there. Uh, and then Baltimore, here's why, I mean, John Harbaugh is a very good coach in my opinion. And, you know, of course, Andy Reid is as well. But, uh, you know, I could see John Harbaugh coming in here and getting a couple turnovers and, and the uh, almighty great Kansas City uh, Chiefs, you know, having a little mistake uh, against Baltimore. I like to take teams that are I consider good teams in this kind of, you know, big dog spot. So uh, I'll go with Baltimore. I feel you on the choice. I understand the, uh, the reasoning for it. I am on the Chiefs, but I understand the reasoning. For me, it's either Tampa Bay or... Buffalo. I noticed that none of you uh, gravitated towards Buffalo. Feels uh, feels like y'all are very bullish on the Bills. I am on Cincinnati against the spread, but the answer to this question for me is still Tampa Bay, uh, which might be interesting to folks because Tampa Bay with Jameis Winston, I have no trust 
no trust in him not throwing a key interception. So for me, uh, I will say the Buccaneers as well. And I do expect big things from Daniel Jones. I don't think he's nearly as bad as people made him out to be. Yes, perhaps they drafted him too early, but he, I think, will be a tremendous improvement over Eli Manning. So my answer would be Tampa Bay. The last question is the Bizarro question. If we lived in a Bizarro world and we had to bet a side on every single one of these 16 NFL games this week, no buys. But we got one free pass, Brady. One game you did not have to play on the spread. What would it be? You know, for me, I don't want any part of Baltimore or Kansas City. And I think, uh, I know you're on Kansas City, Gil, but I think it's a sexy pick for a lot of people right now to take the Ravens and the points. But, you know, Jacksonville was a play by a lot of wise guys uh, in the offseason heading into week one against the Chiefs. And then we saw the Raiders get a ton of attention last week, uh, plus the points there at home. And it seems like if you play on the Chiefs as a favorite, it's being dubbed like a square play. But I'll tell you, I don't know how square it is at all. I I actually liked them in week one, but I did not play it. Uh, Didn't do anything with the Raider game either. Uh, But I do not want to mess with this team right now. Great game late in the season last year with the the Ravens, and I know they have revenge here, but I, I'm just going to hope that this game is, a, is as good as it was last year and, and sit back and watch and not bet because uh, I could, you know, like you kind of said, Gil, the Chiefs laying less than the touchdown, I, I think they can beat almost anybody in the league by double digits. Yeah. But I, I do give Baltimore a very good fighting chance here, and to Todd's point about Harbaugh, absolutely. So, um I can't find a real edge either way, and uh, I'm just going to watch what ought to be a good one. All right. Uh, Baltimore-Kansas City, Brady's game that he wants absolute. Brady would rather take a side, what you're saying, you'd rather take a side in the Jets-New England or Cowboys-Miami game, either way, than (laughs) you would in that game. Those are cop-outs, Gil. That's not good for the show. (laughs) Well, no. I mean, I I think that it still applies, right? Even if the spread was 70, right? It it still applies to this question. Yeah, no, I... (laughs) I don't want any part of those either. Yeah, but, no, uh, I understand. I thought this one was kind of a more real answer that uh, I, I think I, how many people are really going to be betting those games anyway? True, true we that. We talked to some bookmakers on Beeson that uh, they'll probably not get a lot of handle on those games. Um, this is a, a marquee game that I, I don't want to get involved with. Yeah, there's some guy that has a parlay with Alabama, I believe, and Alabama and somebody else. Georgia. Georgia. Alabama, Georgia, and then I think he had the Cowboys or something. Cowboys and the Patriots, all against the number. Both of them. For a 14-parlay wow. against the number for $10,000. How about that? Uh, Mike, game you want no part of. In Glendale, Arizona, the uh, Camless Panthers against the Cardinals. I really have no feel for this game. Uh, I've thought about your point. Is it really a downgrade? Uh, I did not see a lot of that Arizona-Baltimore game. I don't, I still, I guess Arizona's performed better than I thought they would to come out with a year, but this game hovering one way or the other within uh, two points, I, I want no part of it. I am going to guess that that is the least selected game in Circa this, this week. That is my hunch. You're probably right. Yeah, I believe that to be the case. Todd, what do you want no part of? I don't want any part of the Saints-Seattle game because I don't know if Bridgewater really is as bad as he looked in the game against the Rams, or was it just that he was thrown in there with no preparation? Great point. Uh, so, yeah, I so agree. Which, which Bridgewater are we going to get this week? Who knows? Um, you know, Seattle, you know, they, they won that game against the Bengals. They won the game against the Steelers. You know, I don't know. But mostly... I don't know what I'm going to get from Bridgewater. 
I may end up picking Seattle in Circa for the contest, but I totally will agree that that will, that will be what will go rattling through my brain. Who am I betting against? The Bridgewater from you know the scouting reports that we have from Minnesota that we all thought was so good, or whatever that was last week. I completely agree with that. For me, it's Houston and the Chargers. Uh, I know that's one of your picks, Brady, on the Chargers. Houston is one of these teams. I think Tennessee's the other. It used to be the Dolphins for many years, but now I have a very good grasp, as we all do, on what the Dolphins are. But I think if you were to tell me, what are the, what are the NFL teams through two weeks that you have so, the least grasp on? For me, it's Tennessee. I still don't really get their identity. And I just have no idea what I'm getting from the Texans from week to week. I just I really don't. We've seen it through two weeks also. Uh, and then the Chargers, as much as I want to love them, they just are the most – like no team snatches defeat from the jaws of victory as much as that team does. And we talked about it earlier. So for me, it's Houston and the Chargers. One of five afternoon games uh, this week. Eight early, five late. So that's better than the 10-3 ratio we got last week, thank goodness. Gentlemen, appreciate it. Mike Palm from Circa. Todd Wishnev from Being the Jewish Mamba. And then uh, Brady Cannon, ladies and gentlemen, from VEASAN, hosting the Green Zone tonight. A little in-game, perhaps, during the NFL and baseball games from Brady. And oh, by the way, he's won a super contest from the Sanssouci team back in 2011. Thank you, Brady. Thank you all. Megapod, good luck to everybody with all your bets this weekend. And then Ashen, Football League. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.